I've been absent there for a couple of weeks. And, and because of that, our Christmas series, House of Miracles. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, this will be a house of miracles. This will be a house of miracles. Our Christmas series, House of Miracles, got messed up a little bit, right? It, it got messed up. Because, see, we had planned. We had a plan. How many know we, we have plans in life, and it's good to have plans, but, but man, we got to be able to navigate where God wants to take us when he wants to take us there. But anyway, we had plans, and our plans was this. We would do two messages in this House of Miracles series, hit Christmas Eve, which would be the third part in the series. How many of you enjoyed Christmas Eve? Did you guys get to make it? How many of you made it? Yeah, did you enjoy it? Yeah? Cool. Yeah, it was fun. <clears throat> it was a good time. But that was going to be part three, and then today was supposed to be part four, and we would end it and then go into the new year with a brand new series to start it off, but it didn't work out that way. <clears throat> but look, how many of you, you know and believe this, that God's ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that he is literally working all things together for our good. That's what the Bible is clear and tells us in Romans chapter eight. He's working all things, that he takes everything the enemy meant for harm and he uses it for our good because that's how good our God is. And see, I actually really do believe that that's what he did even with this series. I really do because in hindsight, God showed me that now this series makes more sense than it would have made if we'd have started it before Christmas Eve. And, and here's why. Because now we have already celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ, which was and is and is to come the greatest miracle of all time. It is the greatest miracle of all time. Time and God's full miracle working power was on full display that day in the manger. Full miracle working power, it was on full display. And see, after the birth of Christ, after his birth, after the birth of the Savior of the world, the Savior of all mankind, let that sink in. He's the Savior of all mankind. For God so loved the entire earth that he gave his only begotten son. He's the savior of everyone. And because after his birth took place, because he was willing to, to come as a, in the form of a baby, after that took place, now you and I have full access to become a house of miracles. We now have full access to it because for unto us, a child is born. To us, a son has been given. See, see, the birth of Jesus Christ marked the start of an opened heavens over top of God's people for all who believe and receive. That marked the start of the opened heavens and the miracle working power of God being available for every single one of us, for all. Come on and say all. all. For all of us. Let me, let me try to explain it to you like this, okay? So BC, before Christ, before Jesus was born, there were just a select few people who could have access to the miracle working power of God. A very select few, and a lot of us 
right, have went through our lives learning about these different people as we've read through the scriptures, right? People like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and Moses and, and Samuel and King David and Elijah and Elisha, right? Just to name a few of the few, but there wasn't very many people who could declare with a certainty, with a finality, this is a house of miracles before Jesus, before he was born. But after Jesus, after the Christ was, was born, now we all, come on, say all one more time, all have access. It all changed. Everything changed that day. And the manger, I'm pointing at it like this is real or something. Like, I don't know what that was, but it just happened. Yeah. Um, it all changed. Why? Because when he walks into the room, I love that song. When he walks into the room, everything changes. Everything has to change. Wherever the person of Jesus is, the miracle working power of God is on full display for us to operate in and to walk in and to bask in and to enjoy. It's incredible. See, there is resurrection power in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. And not just a spiritual resurrection, although that is an incredible miracle, by the way. We've now had a spiritual resurrection with the guy even talked about a spiritual death, right? He talked on, on, on Christmas Eve. He showed us a whole cool little picture of what that looks like. But I'm not talking about just a spiritual resurrection, a real life, people dying and raising from the grave. It's still happening to this day. See, when Jesus walks into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation, it ceases to exist. When he walks in, sickness has to vanish. Why? Because by his stripes, we are healed. That's the word of God. That's the Bible. We are healed. When he walks into the room, you've got men and women who will begin to prophesy, say what is, what, what is on the heart of the Father. You'll have young men and young women dream dreams, seeing what God is, is trying to show them, to, to show them the mysteries of heaven. Because he's spirit and truth. He's both. He's spirit and, and truth. And see, the Bible's clear. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. It's the only way to the Father. And so, and so when he came, he brought us, he brought us unbridled access to the Father. Unlimited access to the throne of mercy. BC, BC, before Christ came, very limited access. Very limited. After Christ, AC, I just made it up, not the air conditioning, but after Christ. Unlimited. We have unlimited access to the power of God. Before him, though, very limited. Think about this for just a moment. Before Jesus, only one person, one person could enter into the presence of God. Only one. Matter of fact, that one person could only enter into the presence of God one time a year. That's it before Jesus. After Christ, we can all, say all. I'm gonna get this deep down in our hearts today. Say all. All of us now 
get her in her in to the Holy of Holies any time we desire. Any time that we believe and receive, he is right there. Where two or three are gathered, he is in their midst. He is among them. And after Christ, it brought all of us access. And the Bible is clear. Now he inhabits the praises of his people. A bunch of broken people. (laughs) A bunch of people that screw up daily. Maybe I'm just talking to myself, but can enter into the presence of God at any moment. And man, he will inhabit our praises. It's, in, it's incredible. Before Christ, very select few, a very select few could declare with a, with a finality and a certainty, this is a house of miracles. But after Christ, we can all say, this is a house of miracles. It can be a house of, of miracles. See, the Bible in John chapter 14, right? This is what it says. It says, if you ask anything in my name, and the one talking here, by the way, is Jesus, and he's talking about his own name. How incredible is that? To know the authority and the power that, it, that he had and that he walked in, that he moved in. He said, if you speak anything in my name, anything in the name of Jesus, I will do it for you. That's what it says. I'll do it for you. Ask it, believe it, receive it. Not again, not name it, claim it. Believe it, receive it, and it'll happen. In John chapter 16, Jesus says it slightly different. He says, truly, truly. I mean, I mean. A couple months ago, I did a Greek word study for you. Because the word for truly, truly there is I mean, I mean. Which means there's a finality to what Jesus is about to say. It's going to happen. It's already done. What I'm about to tell you, I mean, I mean. It's going to take place. Matter of fact, this is where we get the word amen. We we derive it from amen. We say it to cap a statement off, to end a prayer, as if, man, God, we want you to do it. Amen. And so we finalize our prayer with amen. Jesus starts off his words with amen. Because his word always comes to pass. His word never returns to him void. What he says has to happen. There's a finality in the person of Jesus. There's a finality in the presence of Jesus. There's a finality in the words of of Jesus. It's amen. If he said it, he will, will do it. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. He will give it to you because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father. This is Jesus. No one gets to the Father except through me. Outside of Jesus, no access to the Father. But in Christ, we have unlimited access to the miracle working power of God. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now, I did another Greek word study for you with the word there, anything that Jesus used in John chapter 16. I was like, okay, what's the word anything mean, right? Because a Greek word has a different meaning than, a, than an English word. Our, our words don't have as much meaning as a Greek word does. And so I start looking at the original context to see like, well, what was you saying there? Jesus, do you really mean? And, and, and the Greek word there for anything is tis. And guess what it means? Wait for it. It means anything. <laughs> right But not only does it mean anything, it means anyone. It's a dual meaning. 
It's a dual meaning. So in other words, Jesus is saying this, anyone can ask anything, anyone who has given their life to me, died to themselves in order for, for me to live in them. Anyone can ask anything of the father and the father will do it in my name. He'll give it to them. No one needs to, no one needs to have a certain title. No one is too insignificant. No one needs a certain social status. They don't have to be a bishop or a pastor or a, a high priest. They don't have to be any of that. It can be anyone. They can ask anything and I'll do it for them. My father will give it to them. And there isn't a request too large. There isn't a request too small for God. Truly, truly, I say to you, I mean, I mean, I say to you, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he'll give it to you. Verse 24 says, until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the people that say they believe in him, who say they wanna follow him, who, who praise him and walk with him and talk with him. And then he says, up till now though, you haven't asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. So that your joy, how many of you know that God is concerned with your joy? He wants your joy to be full so that your joy may be full. This is what Jesus says. Now notice I didn't say happiness. Happiness and joy is two different things, by the way. Happiness is fleeting. The joy of the Lord is our strength, not your happiness of the day. It can't be your strength. If it is, you're in big trouble. You'll be in big trouble. <clears throat> so that your joy may be full. See, I, I think a lot of times the people of God don't ask God. And because they don't ask God, they don't receive anything from God. This is what Jesus is saying. You don't ask anything in my name. You haven't asked nothing. And so, yeah, this is why God hasn't, hasn't done anything. Call me crazy, but man, I believe in miracles to this day. I believe in it. Call me crazy. I believe that when I pray for someone, they're going to be healed. And I don't care what's going on in their life. I sound like a maniac. Yep, you're healed in Jesus' name. I, I just believe it. And look, guess what? If they aren't healed the first time I pray, guess what I do? I pray again. I pray again. I'll pray again. I'll pray again. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, do you believe it's God's will always to heal? It's a constant question in the, in the Pentecostal movement, charismata, charismatic movement, believing in the, in the power of God alive and active today. Do you believe that it's God's will always to heal? I've had other people argue with me. It isn't God's will always to heal. Now listen, I don't claim to know every answer. I don't claim to know what's always on the heart of the Father. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, no man can fathom the depths of his understanding. So I don't know everything. And I don't know why at times people are healed and at other times people aren't healed. But, but I can tell you what I do know. What I do know is this. The father sent his only begotten son to be beaten so that we could be healed. So 
I don't understand how we can think that the father would have sent his son in vain to be beaten for some to be healed and others not to be healed. All I know is he sent his son to be beaten so that by his stripes, we are healed. That's what the Bible says. So yeah, every single time I pray, I believe it's God's will to heal him. Every single time, every single time, I believe it. The Bible also tells us this, that the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Jesus says this, he says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, just a little tiny bit of faith, you can tell a mountain to be cast into the sea and it has to obey you, it has to. So if our faith in him, our belief in him, what we receive from him has the ability to cast a literal mountain into a sea, I think it has the ability to heal the sick. I believe it has that ability. You know, in Luke chapter 18, there's an incredible parable that Jesus gives, Luke 18. And it's the parable of the persistent widow is the name of the parable. And you can go read it. I'm not gonna read it for you for the sake of time. I've only got 15 more minutes. I don't think I'm gonna hit that time frame, by the way. But <clears throat> just to give you a forewarning. Um, um, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna paraphrase it for you. But this is the gist of, of, of the parable. Go read it, Luke 18, the very beginning of the chapter. In the parable, Jesus says this, there was a widow who things had happened to her and there was some um, injustice that took place and she had requests and she went to the judge of the town because the judge would rule on all the different requests of the people in the town. And he would be the one that decided what they got, what they didn't get, what happened to them and what everything would go through him. And so this widow goes to him and makes her request known to him. But the judge kept telling her, no, nah, you can't have it. Matter of fact, Jesus describes the judge as, as one who didn't care about people and did not fear God. So in other words, he could care less what your request was and he didn't have God tugging on his heartstrings to say, wait a minute, God might be displeased if I treat somebody badly or poorly. He didn't care. He had no fear of God and didn't care about people. And this, this widow came to him and, and was asking a request of him. Something I find very, very interesting there though, he doesn't even make it specific to the request because he didn't want to box us in. Like it's only with that kind of request that we can keep asking God for. So Jesus leaves it open-ended. He doesn't tell us what the request was. Comes and asks the judge. The judge says, no, uh, get away from me. No. Does she stop there? Nope, she comes back. Hey, 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 judge. Hey, judge. Give me, give me, give me. No. And again, and again, he keeps turning her down. And again, but she doesn't stop. She keeps coming. And so then it says, Jesus says this. He says, finally, the judge was like, man, this woman is not going to give me any rest until I give in to her request. Let me just give her what she's asking for so that she can leave me alone. And Jesus makes a statement. He says, if a judge who is evil gave in to the widow's request, won't God give in to his chosen ones, whatever they request, if they cry out before him day and night. That's what Jesus says. That's what he says. Simply, simply saying this, if you're praying and believing for a healing, if you're praying and believing for a miracle and it doesn't happen upon your first request, 
Don't stop. Ask again. Ask again. You don't give up and just say, ah, God's not hearing me. I'm just not going to. Sometimes God wants to see how bad you want it. Sometimes God wants you to reveal your heart and your request of him and how often you want to come to him for the request. So we don't give up. We keep asking. We keep persisting. We keep praying. We keep believing. We keep receiving. We speak things as though they are in Jesus' name. That's what the Bible said. So no, I, I, don't, I don't know why some people are healed. I don't know why sometimes I'll pray for somebody one time and they're healed. Just to turn around and pray for the next person. I prayed the same way, got the same type of faith, got the same everything. Like, man, man, presence of God's so thick. Cool, I know God's healing today. Turn around, pray for this person. They don't get healed. I don't know why that is. All I know is this. I'm never going to stop praying. I'm never going to stop persisting. I'm never going to stop believing. I'm never going to stop receiving because the Bible says so. Reinhard Bonnke said this to that question. Is it always God's will to heal? And how come some get healed and others don't? He said, I'll tell you right now, nobody will get healed if you don't pray. Amen. Nobody will. So it's better for you to pray and believe it and watch however many people God heals, he heals than you just not to pray at all. Church, we, we, we've got to stop limiting God. We have to stop limiting the God that we serve. In John chapter 14, Jesus makes another statement. It's right before the statement we read earlier that we, we went through earlier that where, where Jesus says, you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you. Right before that, Jesus says this. He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If you can't believe that, then at least believe in the works that I've done. Believe in the miracles themselves. And he goes on and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, who believes in the works that I do, believes in the miracles that I do, he also will do. And even greater works, even greater miracles will he do because I've gone to be with the Father, because I have given you full access to the heavenly throne and to the miracle working power of, of God. We've got to stop limiting God. See, I think a lot of times the reason that the church is not a house of miracles is because we limit God with our faith. We limit him with our lack of requesting of him. Too often we allow the enemy to, to lie to us and, and tell us, don't pray for that. Don't pray for that. that don't pray for that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't pray for that. It would take a miracle for that to happen. And listen, the that for you is maybe different than the that for me, whatever. You can fill in the that yourself. But we'll say, now nah, we won't pray for that because man, that would be, that would be impossible. That, that would take a miracle for that to happen. So, so we don't even bother to ask God for it. We don't even bother. That thing has to be impossible. Too often our faith limits God. Our lack of request limits God. Now we gotta get this in our hearts that yeah, 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 with man, things are impossible. But with God, nothing, nothing, not one thing, no thing is impossible for the God we serve. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Ask anything, anyone ask anything in my name and the Father will give it to you. 
If anything, the birth of Jesus should taught us and teach us and display to us is that we serve a God of the impossible. Anything is possible for him. I mean, I want you to just, just think about the birth of Jesus for just a few moments. A woman becomes pregnant, but the woman doesn't do what a woman has to do with a man in order to become pregnant. I'm just saying, not to get too graphic. Ladies, I know, look, you don't need a man for everything. I know powerful women of God that don't need men. I'm not a chauvinist. Believe me, I live with a woman that lets me know. She don't need me. <laughs> Women don't need a man for everything. But this one thing, ladies, you gotta have a man for it. I'm just telling you. A man has to play some part in the role of this. So it's impossible for a woman to become pregnant without a man. Impossible, which by the way, it's impossible for a man to ever become pregnant. But anyway, we won't go there, but newsflash. But anyway, people are getting confused in life right now, but it's impossible for a woman to become pregnant without a man until God steps on the scene. And then a virgin becomes pregnant and she becomes pregnant with God himself. Did you know Jesus was fully God and fully man? He wasn't 50-50. He was fully God and fully man. This is what the Bible says. This, this virgin becomes pregnant with God inside of her belly and she gives birth to God. The word of God becomes flesh and dwelt among us and we've beheld his glory as the glory of the only son of God. He dwelt among us for us. And God did all of that. He did all of that to display his miracle working power to us, to show us that we have access to that type of miracle working power in and through our lives. And I'm telling you, church, as soon as we get this deep into our hearts, as soon as our faith stops limiting him, as soon as our lack of requests stop limiting him, then we will see the blind see. We will see the lame walk. We will see the dead be raised again in Christ. We will see it. We will witness it. We'll watch as the lost are found. And then we will be able to declare, this is truly a house of miracles. Look at what is happening. How many of you can believe that with me? <clears throat> How many of you can pray, pray that with me? I believe in that we're going to go into a season where God starts to have miracles breaking out in our midst in Jesus' name. That we're going to become a house of miracles. And look, I'm not saying it because it sounds cool to say, even though it does. I'm saying it because I, I believe it. I believe it. I, I believe that it's going to happen in Jesus' name. I'm believing and praying that in 2021, man, we're gonna see miracles like crazy. We're gonna see miracles like crazy. And it's gonna start breaking out all over, all over the church. And I'm believing that the world is going to watch from out there and they're gonna look in here and they're gonna, they're gonna say with their own mouth, that's a house of miracles. I gotta go see what is happening in there. What is happening in there? I feel sick in my body. I'm gonna go receive a miracle. This is how Jesus attracted the world. And we will be prudent to give him all the glory will be prudent to give him the glory. 
The world's gonna see it. They're gonna declare it. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter two, and I'm closing right here, I promise I'm closing. I'm gonna be really close to 30, but I am closing. 1 Corinthians chapter two, the apostle Paul makes this statement. He says, my message and my preaching was not done in persuasive words, but rather it was done in the demonstration of the spirit's power. That's what my preaching and my message brought so that your faith would remain steadfast, not in human wisdom, but on the power of God. God's miracle working power. This is what I long to see happen in this place with every single one of us. Not that we're gonna be able to persuade words because people with our words and be real slick and, and quick talking and quick witted and have every answer. No, no, no. But because we're walking in the power of God, we're believing the sick are being healed. We're, we're believing it and we're witnessing it. And so then it attracts the people of the world. You know, the church has really fell into a really bad mindset, really bad mindset over the past 10 years. Too often they think that they gotta look like the world and sound like the world to attract the world. But that's not what the word of God says. As if we gotta look and sound like them in order for people who are unsaved to come and feel comfortable in the church. It's not what the Bible says. See, the the church will become attractive to the world when the church looks and sounds like Jesus, not because they look and sound like them. That the church will become attractive to the world when the church begins to operate in the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. That's what will be attractive. There are people who are lost and they're hurting and they're looking for something different, not for more of the same. Not for more of the same. And the crazy cool thing about all this is, is this. God longs to move that way in and through his people. He desires to do it. He's looking for a people just crazy enough, just sold out enough to believe, God, you can use us this way. We believe for anything. We believe anyone can believe this way and pray for the sick to be healed. See, Jesus is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is. And every authority, all authority has been given to him by the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth. And he says this, he says, I will give you my authority. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom so that whatever you bind here will be bound there. Whatever you loose here will be loosed, will be loosed there. This is the authority that I, I give you. Simply meaning, if you believe it and receive it, it can take place. You'll do the works that I've done. You'll do the miracles that I've done. You'll even do greater works and greater miracles than even I did. That's what he's trying to get across to us. Will we believe it? Will we walk in it? Will we declare it as a people? Come on and stand to your feet. Listen, 2020 has been a really, really rough year for a lot of people. A really rough year. Matter of fact, at times, you know, it, it's been uncertain, 
right? It's been such an uncertain year. And, and, and at times, for, for many of us, the only thing certain about this year has been the uncertainty that the year brought. I don't know if the business is going to be open tomorrow. I don't know if I'm getting a paycheck the next day. I don't know if whatever. I don't know what, the, what people are going to do. And see, the, the issue is, is, is this. When, when everything is that uncertain and it breeds that much chaos around us, it's happening all around us. It, it presents us with many challenges. And it presents the enemy with a lot of opportunity to lie to us and to get our, our, our focus off of Jesus, to try to, to, to shake our faith in who he is. It's been a really uncertain year. But hear me, you can be certain of, of this one thing. God is for you. That that God is for you. That he has good plans for you. Plans to prosper you. This is the Bible. This ain't the prosperity gospel. That's the Bible. Plans to prosper you. To give you a hope and a future. This is what he has plans for each and every one of us. For us to operate in his miracle working power. Every single one of us. The same spirit that rose Christ from the grave, the Bible says, lives in you if you've given your life to him and allowed him to fill you. Same spirit lives in you. And so look, today, man, we're going to open up the altars and we're, we're going we're gonna to come and pray. We're going to come before the Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to believe. We're going to receive. And, and listen, maybe, maybe you need a financial miracle in your life. The miracle working power of God is just not boxed into a healing because Jesus multiplied fish in the loaves and he loves to provide for all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That's what the Bible says. So if you need a financial miracle today, I'm believing with you and for you that God is going to supply that today, that he's going to bring an increase to your life today in Jesus name. Maybe you need a, a, a healing miracle. I'm believing that God's going to heal you today. I'm believing it. I'm believing it. I'm believing that miracles today is going to mark the start of this place being a house of miracles in Jesus' name. Today, we'll be able to look back 10 years from now and say, remember that at the end of 2020, that dismal year, that frustrating year, that uncertain year, God started to break out all across our church. I'm believing that. And look, maybe, maybe today you don't even need a miracle, man. All your life is great. Praise the Lord. Happy for you. Amen. I thank God for you. You still need to get up here and pray that your faith would increase so that you can believe for the miracles that someone else has to have. That your faith will be the breakthrough they need and the miracles that they need in their life. There are people hurting in this world. People are going to hell in this world. It's just the reality. But God desires for not one to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And so, man, he desires to use us on that mission. But we need his spirit to move within us, to breathe within us, to, to strengthen us and embolden us to go into the world to show the miracle working power of Jesus. 
Father, I pray right now that your spirit would begin to draw each and every person unto yourself. Right now, Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would start to break out in this place. I pray that you would start to to pull us into yourself and show us your miracle working power this morning. I pray for those who need a financial miracle, that God, you would provide for them the healings that need to take place. I speak healing in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would increase our faith in this place as we come and make our requests known to you. In Jesus' mighty name, the worship team is going to lead us and we're going to open the altars for a little bit. Then I'll come back up. We'll do communion and dismiss.